0: So this afternoon I'm going to introduce the actual practicing of metta itself. (coughs) Metta. We don't have a good English equivalent. Kindness, friendliness, loving-kindness. I'll use metta as much as the others. This practice is an art. It's not a science. It's not precise. It's not exact. It's not one particular formula. It's very much one's own practice, and so uh, we need to develop a relationship of um, intimacy with it. Certain degree of exploring, so that it 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 um, is alive in us. We can't sort of stamp ourselves with some external. Form in that way so it it takes a feeling into it especially those who are new those who practice for some time have already a, a good relationship with their own minds and hearts and how to support them so remembering that you can't do it right and you can't do it wrong and so there's no need to be judging it or have expectations. It's more experiencing something than trying to do it. Also, it's not, um, it's not a trying to make yourself do something. It's not a directive practice. You're not instructing yourself, your mind, your heart, so much as an invitational practice. You're inviting And when we invite, some people don't reply, you know, and some people answer the way we expect they will, but it's an open-ended kind of thing when we're inviting. So we're inviting this practice, we're inviting our minds and our hearts to engage in this way. Anyway, it's not about achieving a result of that invitation. So it's sort of an open-hearted, open-handed inviting And again, it isn't to um, make something happen, although things do happen as we tune into our hearts, but it's really an attunement of our awareness to um, the state of our ourselves. I call often call it our hearts, which is the sort of seat of friendliness. How does friendliness arise in us? So it's an exploration and an, a growing intimacy with the part of ourselves which generates friendliness. So it's a getting to know yourself just as partners are getting to know yourself. And as you get to know the part of us, this heart that generates friendliness, care, kindness, empathy, shared experience, connection. We don't just um, become intimate with it, by becoming intimate with it, it grows. So the friendliness ability grows. It's like a muscle. It's a capacity. It's a skill. It's an art. So we're exploring it and thereby it grows. We're not making it be bigger or better or stronger. It happens by attention. And uh, although, as Nikki said to you this morning, many of you are familiar with this practice. I really do encourage you to listen with open minds and open ears and open hearts because a fresh mind, you know, is available. It's, we get very limited by our thinking. We know it all. So be wary of that tendency. You never know when you'll learn something new. There are two pieces of structure to this practice, which go along together. One of them is the use of what I call a muse. A muse is a being, or even an experience, which evokes or inspires or supports a feeling. And because we're relational beings, and this is a relational aspect of our practicing, we're using being, some being, as a muse to evoke friendliness. We use the muse it 's not about the muse it 's not that they have to be a perfect muse or that they have to you know be any kind of qualification for this particular muse but we 're taking some being, some or other being who in fact affects our friendliness but it 's more about our friendliness than it is about the muse, so our attention is with whoever the muses we choose at any one time, which will t- give you more information. But only some of our attention is on the muse. A lot of our attention is on how friendly we are with this particular being, because that's the point that we're growing. Not to say that they won't benefit, not to say that they aren't really there, and we do really care, and we do really wish them to be well. But it isn't about them being well, it's about our caring for them. Subtle difference. So that's one of the pieces, is the muse. The being, the category, some people use that word. Um, and the other piece of the structure of it is words. It's a word, it's not just the word, because it's the meaning of a word, a blessing, a wish to this particular muse, for this particular muse. And we use in this practice not just one, but f- about four. Three is okay, five is okay, but less than three or more than five aren't very effective. If we have less than 3, it's not really a lot of to chew on and we can easily slide off and get spaced out. So you want enough information to keep ourselves engaged. If we have long words, long phrases or more than 5, it gets very confusing. The mind just isn't able to do it. You, maybe later, but not initially for sure. So 4 is highly recommended but in there is a little flexibility, of course. So those are the, stru- the structural pieces which we all will practice. And then how we put it together is the art part, which I'll now talk about. The, um, the words are words describing Often we use in Buddhism, wholesome, or I would say, uplifted states of mind and heart. A beautiful word in the Buddhist language, in the Pali language that we use, is um, citta. And it's a word describing the heart and the mind as though they're one thing. We tend to think of them as separate things, but the part of our mind which which cares, which is warm, which feels, which intuits, not the part of the mind that rationally counts and separates out and differentiates. So we don't have a good word for that. But it's that part of ourselves, our experience, in an elevated way that we're inviting with these words. And so things like peaceful states of mind and heart which are beautiful, or wholesome, or inspired, or um, divine, divine abidings, for such lovely states, lovely, beautiful states. And they need, they we recommend, because this practice isn't um, we use different muses. We move through different categories, different muses. So it's recommended that we use um, states of mind which would apply to any of the categories. So we don't want to be too specific and use this set of wishes for this particular person, then another different set for the next, and another because it gets just complicated for the mind to remember. It gets all Sally calls them gets into the metal, meta muddles, and we don't we don't need to make it complicated like that. To think what we're supposed to be doing now, so generalized or universal states of well-being that most beings will appreciate, That it's easy for us to wish and imagine people experiencing, other beings experiencing sort of universal wishes, blessings, states. That said, we often find ourselves, if we're saying, uh, uh, offering these wishes to a particular being, we get there, And it really starts to, we really connect, we discover that one of those isn't the right word for that being, we'll tweak it, you know, that's because it's an art, we can adjust, and it's not to say we shouldn't do that, but we don't want to emphasize a lot of difference, we want to emphasize simplicity, because this is eventually calming, even though for new people it might feel like there's a lot of information, we keep saying try and keep it simple. So, um, for your information, if you're interested in this, we often use the word traditional. When we say traditional, we don't always mean the same thing. The Buddha himself actually didn't teach categories of different muses and didn't suggest saying repeating of certain phrases. The words of the Buddha we will chant. Probably tonight and oftentimes during the retreat, from which the practices have been drawn and practiced for hundreds and hundreds of years, this sort of scenario that we practice here is about fifteen, sixteen hundred years of practice. So very traditional in our you know in this this uh, early Buddhist practice, well tried and well true. And in this tradition, for these many years, very commonly, four of these four states that are being invited are these four: a sense of safety, a sense of happiness or mental well-being, a sense of physical well-being, health, vitality, strength, and a sense of experiencing the flow of ease in life sort of means equanimity rather than being buffeted by life, the unfolding of life flowing for us. These are typically the areas that are recommended as they suit every being. You don't need to keep to these four, but these are what are typically used. For myself, I generally replace the physical one with a heart one. I like and this is just my sharing my what I like um, for the first one of safety I, I use two words safe and sound I have little ditties going in my mind so safe and sound is a little ditty sound you know means whole and un, undamaged and you know you made it home from a journey safe and sound all in a sound piece of wood a sound piece of advice all fine you know not fractured and lame but Strong and reliable, safe. For the second one, mental well-being, happy, peaceful. I tend to use um, calm and peaceful, mental well-being. For the third one, healthy and strong is very common. Um, I use warm and tender because I'm meaning this friendliness feeling, which I like those words a lot. And uh, for living with a sense of ease or ease and well-being is very common very traditional. I use free and easy. I, d- I just remember them well and I like they're very sort of like modernish language and they work well in my mind. So what some people find is that, um, I wonder if I want to say this right now, say this in a moment. the point of the of the words are descriptions of states what we're attempting to do is experience the states so it's not the word it's that the word takes you to the feeling that's the at least attempts to take you to a feeling so you want to choose a feeling a state that you can experience and then the word connects you with that so it's a lived experiential practice it's not a theoretical heady reading of something that doesn't mean anything to you that's how it's an art that's how you make it yours when it takes a little practicing to find you know the the way in for you given the framework (laughs) some people find um, well there are Typically, but not always, you don't all fit into this, but typically there are three modes of accessing this for people. One is engaging the mind with repeating the word or a phrase which contains that word and the meaning of it. That works for a third of the people, let's say. Another is... People whose minds are not so wired with that hearing of words or saying of something, but of um, picturing, imagining or visualizing a being, visualizing a state, visualizing a memory and re-experiencing it so that your experience of it comes through um, memory or visuals. So picturing yourself in your grandmother's lap and her singing to you and then through that you get the feeling of safety, for instance, something like that. And another way in for people is a sense uh, is, is feeling the meaning in your own system. So feeling, say, peaceful. When you, f- for me, that's my way in. Uh, f- so I say um, safe and sound. I use the sound partly because I think of the earth as being safe and somehow the sound, I don't know why, but it's got an earthy tone for me so I actually feel held by the ground, probably because ground and sound are so similar, safe. So I feel a sense of resting on that steadiness, calm and peaceful. When I use that, I'm experiencing inside myself calm and peace and I, I go to the feeling of what that's like. My body is peaceful, there's a settledness deep inside. So it's accessing the meaning through my own uh, sometimes heart or physical, or I would call energetic experience of it. And that then links up with what the words are saying. So it takes me that way. And sometimes on the root of that, I'll have some picture of something. So calm and peaceful, I might see water that's not moving. So these different aspects of how we're working inside our brains will function for you, and there's no right or wrong. They all come together, but some of them are more foreground and some of them are more background. So the sound of your grandmother singing may be foreground, and then the word happy and peaceful going on in the background, for instance, and you'll find your own connection. Let it be flexible. And then lastly, I would say, um, because we have to make it our own and make it flexible, as far as how how many words you use in a phrase or how few, whether you use a lot of words in the beginning, may I feel safe and protected from inner and outer harm, may I feel safe and protected from inner and outer harm, with lots of words linking close together and often, or else your mind slips off, maybe one thing. In my case, I'd say, safe and sound. And then no words for a while, because I'd be feeling the feeling, and then safe and sound. How frequently, how many words, how fastly, how quickly you repeat what your rhythm is, that's your own creative aspect, that's the art of it. And you only know what actually connects you to being present, caring, being in touch with this heart, Accessing these beautiful states as best you can and sharing them with whomever your muse is, sharing them with yourself by accessing them or actually extending them. That's your that's the refining part of your art. And so play around with that. Let that be an exploration and you can't do it right or wrong. There will always be a muse and there will always be these three, four or five blessings, beautiful states being accessed and offered. I'll wait till the end of the session for questions. So I'd like us to practice together now. Relaxing comfortably in your body. In this posture, in this room together with each other. And invite for yourself, amuse some being, yourself or some other being, with whom you very easily and naturally feel friendly. Friendly, happy to be with them, safe, completely easy, See who comes to your mind, to your heart. They don't have to be perfect. You don't have to interview a whole line of them. They won't be perfect, they're just a being. And now let come into your mind, your heart, mind, four wholesome, beautiful, exalted states, Perhaps safe, safe and protected from harm. Perhaps happy and peaceful, calm, and content. Something in that realm. Perhaps healthy, comfortable, strong, vital physically well. Perhaps loving, friendly, tender, loving and accepting. Perhaps a sense of ease and well-being In your life some aspect and now with your muse bringing your muse in front of your awareness because they're your friend this could be any kind of a being you know it could be a puppy it could be your baby nephew it could be a grandmother it doesn't matter just a friend you know you're comfortable with easy share with them wish for them offer to them may you feel your first feeling safe safe and sound free from stress and struggle Just the essence word, safe, or the supporting words, may you feel, may you feel safe and protected from harm. Over and over a few times, see what happens. And then the second one. May you feel happy and peaceful, calm and content, calm, calm. Engaging, meaning, feeling the flavor of what this means how that affects you affects your heart and moving on to the third one may you be healthy and strong or some variation that you like picturing them, feeling what that means in your own heart and mind, the savoring, the meaning, repeating, healthy, strong, vital, comfortable, well, or, and maybe a heart one, may I, May you have a heart filled with loving kindness. May you be filled with a loving kindness. May your heart be tender and warm. May you love and accept yourself completely, just as you are. one more may you may your life flow with a sense of ease or may you live with ease of well-being in your life or free and easy easy feel at ease. This could be may you, but it could be to yourself. And around and around we go. One wish or invitation, taste it, see if you can experience a little of the flavor of it, the effect of it, the echo, as some people say repeating once or twice or several times, and then to the next. Inviting, experiencing, offering. Safety, freedom from harm, happy, peaceful, calm, healthy, physical well-being, loving, accepting, The ease of well-being, living with ease. Resist the temptation to get it too elaborate. Don't try and make the phrases poetry and perfection. It's the sense. May I feel safe. May my mind be peaceful. May my body be healthy. May my heart be friendly. May my life flow smoothly. Mm, I had this little rush of I'd actually rather be sitting there than here <laughs> and be able to just do this now for the next eight days. Oh, it's so delicious. This beautiful thing. What a beautiful opportunity. How rare in a life to just have days and days of beautiful states, at least inviting them We'll see what happens. Are there any questions about what I said? please. understand what you're saying I mean it's sort of like the power of positive thinking you know I am safe um the the meaning I the oh I'm sorry repeat the question who didn't hear I'm very sorry thank you yeah what's uh, what about the all the, the phrases tend to begin when you use word wordy phrases they generally suggested they start with may I and what about using words which are statements rather than requests kind of thing the value of the request is it keeps that open, open-handed, open-hearted possibility because even though we may invite it, we're not actually directing our life and we're not really in charge. And at times, the heart may well be, but at other times, it's going <coughs> to... and it's going to get you know anxious and it's going to criticize and it's going to do other things. Realistically, we can't make it. And so it keeps that... it basically humbles us to an invitation rather than a direction. And that's the point of it. And so it's we, we're encouraging it. We can absorb ourselves into it. It's delicious at times, but at other times we can't. And if we set ourselves up then to make it be a certain way and then it doesn't happen, there's a whole lot of now big setup for judgment, frustration, a huge amount of doubt, I'm not okay, the practice doesn't work, and so on. So it's actually counterproductive, even though I understand where you're coming from. Do it lightly. Don't use either may or I will. Just use the word. <laughs> that avoids that problem. That's just, a, I mean, a flip answer. That's not necessarily the answer for you. If you like the words and they help connect you, what people find, too, who say uh, several words and who've practiced that way after some time, as their minds become more quiet, they don't need all the supporting other words and sort of the essence word is what stands out and eventually not even words because the brain gets quieter and so just the meaning is there. So it's it's an unfolding experience. You don't have to be doing it right. That's the... Hi, Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. Thank you for your question. So um, what uh, what's your name? Laura's experiences having practiced this, that it, sometimes it happens that one of those a- actual states becomes really the predominant state, and the others sort of fade into the background completely. And she's asking, do I recommend letting that be that way? There's no right or wrong to that. It's a wholesome state. It's a state where your heart is friendly, caring, which is what we're growing. The um, benefit of moving is so that we don't... Um, so we don't get bored with it or it doesn't become stale. And sooner or later, it may become fading, and so then you can reboot the thing, kind of. But if it's alive and you're connecting and it's wholesome, you don't need to keep moving through the others. You can find your own time and pace. There's no right or wrong in that. And sometimes, you know, you're just fully there with just that one thing for a long time. That can happen. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Question. JR So I uh, found that nature is very nurturing both good and evil can you use an adversary as a muse an adversary as a muse can one use an adversary as a muse what had that to do with nature Because it, because if you use an adversarial part, say yourself, and you're not, then it actually evokes you wanting to befriend that one. Yeah. If it's, yes, um, as a general instruction, I wouldn't, especially people who are unfamiliar, I wouldn't encourage that you pick an adversary to evoke friendliness, because generally an adversary irritates us, or it's real set up for the other, for aversion, for judgment, for frustration, all the difficulties. So it's not recommended. But... I wouldn't say, no, you shouldn't, I would say experiment and see what happens. Generally, however, we say, start with what's easy, because when you think of friendliness, one of the qualities of being with a friend, when you're in a friendly situation and a friendly connection with someone, one of the main characteristics is it's really easy. It's a natural thing to be friendly whereas if you're using an adversary you're actually making some contrivance there you're putting some effort into making something different you're being a little bit i would say controlling and trying to fix something so i would recommend you just actually make it really sim- way simple be way more innocent maybe you will later find things dissolving i would i'm not going to say don't i'm saying experiment and see but the point the true true matter is a pure Clear friendliness. It's so innocent. It's not trying to outsmart or improve anything. It's much more receptive. So I would keep it simpler. But experiment, see the difference. Do it with something really simple and then do something with a little, and see what happens for you. Because it's your own exploration, I would say. One more. Mm-hmm. So this is aging, and mm-hmm. like these are aspects mm-hmm. of having human body. Mm. And so when, when I say may I be healthy and strong, there's kind of a a conflicting feeling and even a little sadness for me because I know I've had these health problems. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. That's such a important point. So it can yeah, it can be an inappropriate wishing for a state of a state that's an impossible state. Uh, and so that's not then going to be useful in that case. Um, but you know, you could say, may I be well? One of the things I've used in that category that is, um, may I be well in every way possible? Because for instance, if my health is failing, not my entire system is failing, but maybe the heart is failing or maybe the, you know, the joints are sore, but then you know, the heart system is doing great and the, the muscles are fine and maybe I'd be as well as possible or may I be comfortable with my condition or something like that if you want to use health has one but you don't have to use health as one so that's where it gets to be one's own that's why it's an art and so only suitable for you know if if it evokes for you a sense of that you f- feel this wholesome state is worth inviting and experiencing nourishing if it brings up some kind of conflict or the opposite I'll talk more about that in my talk because a lot of that comes up in our practice so I'm not going to go into that today a lot of the opposite feelings come. We're inviting something lovely and we're like, but, (laughs) but, what when I'm not, you know? Okay. So thank you for your attention and, and, um, yeah, I have a lot of uh, mudita for the fact that you're actually interested in and wanting to be practicing this way. It's such a beautiful thing. So I just want to say a couple of words about walking meditation with this practice. And so the, the essence is exactly the same. Um, the, 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 the pieces are exactly the same. It's just that we're doing it while walking instead of while sitting. Um, I recommend that you don't worry about what your feet are doing, or what your heart is doing, or even what your breath is doing. Some people find that their breathing and their blessings go, you know, harmon, you know, they become synchronized. That can happen, or some people find I've found that my walking can actually be in rhythm with the the wishes that I'm saying or the words that I'm saying. That can happen, but it doesn't have to happen. If that works for you, that's fine. Um, keep the sense of walking backwards and forwards so that. It stops the sense of going for a walk elsewhere and keeps us contained with what we're doing. And walking backwards and forwards so it's easy for a number of people in a small place to not be always negotiating each other and you can stay within your own practice. So it just makes sense like that. But as far as the speed that you walk, um, being aware of what your body's doing, you can release all that. Unless it's familiar a lot to you and you can bring your awareness in. For instance, if you're saying, um, may I feel safe, then you can just walk with a sense of really owning your space and feeling safe in this land and safe on this particular piece of ground that you're stepping on. and You can incorporate it with that, for instance. Or, you know, may I be relaxed and feel the body being relaxed and so experiencing in the moving of the body the meaning of whatever it is you're wishing. Incorporating it like that in your body. So you're staying embodied in it. Um, but you can find your own speed of walking. Find Your Own Rhythm. Once I was doing a month-long metta practice, in a Vipassana retreat and everyone else was doing Vipassana I was the only one doing Metta and uh, the teacher told me it was Kamala Master that she just said you can just looking out you can see who's doing Metta and who's doing Vipassana because the person doing Metta is walking much faster than everyone else who's doing this aware of the moving as Nikki was describing this morning the subtlety of the movements of different parts of the body so I was like that but again that's your own experience and find what best serves you to connect with what you're actually meaning for yourself and to share. And so make that be your own. Be comfortable with that. Please. i having trouble totally remembering the four categories. Can you give me some of remember all four? Uh, um, what are we going to put... up We might just put the simple basics up mm-hmm. on the up on the board for you to remember those but but safety is often if we're not safe we're deeply anxious beings like we're jumpy nervy that's how we've survived the ones who weren't jumpy and nervy got eaten by the dinosaurs and they never passed on their genes according to the neurologist so we want to not be nervy and jumpy so we want to feel safe that's the first one it's like that's oh, okay Partly why we do precepts at the beginning of a retreat with among strangers. We're actually, it's okay. We're all friends here. We Because we won't be able to settle and practice anything if we're all anxious and nervous. Safe. Then it's mental well-being, physical well-being, heart well-being. Whichever of those you feel like. I tend to use the mental and the heart rather than the physical. But that's just... And then a sort of the general ease of well-being one in some way. It's about sort of may the may all of my life move. May I, you know, be able to negotiate all of the stuff of my life with some grace. May there be some smoothness in how I confront all the things I have to. So it's like a it's the way UPeka is the equanimity is kind of like an umbrella. So safety, physical, mental, heart, and then a kind of overall life. Okay, thank you. I didn't repeat the question, but I think people got it through the answer. Okay, so it's time for walking meditation. Supper is in 25 minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.